Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Robbins, as always, joined by Adam Sapi. And uh, here's some cool stuff. You know, each and every week we've been doing this brand new LinkedIn uh, community that we're building called the MedTech Talent Lab. And so if you haven't joined us there yet, make sure to check it out. We're building a movement of sorts, an interactive community where we're talking about all things talent, trying to bridge the gap between uh, what hiring leaders think and HR and talent acquisition professionals are going through and also the candidate experience. And we're trying to bring everything together in a community so that we can try and bridge that gap uh, and make it a better uh, experience for all parties involved. And so each and every week, we're going to continue to do these sessions, um, both in the recorded form as well as live. You could simply Google or excuse me, search the MedTech Talent Lab within LinkedIn and feel free to join us today if you're in the anything to do with medical device, digital health or diagnostics, and you want to gain a competitive advantage as it relates to your own career, or as it relates to um, how to continue to build uh, a team full of A players. So with that said, today's topic is one that I'm super passionate about. And I know that our guest is as well. Shannon Hayes, the global talent acquisition manager, the head of recruiting at Natus Medical is here live with us, which I really appreciate. I've known Shannon for the last couple of years, uh, just have the utmost respect for for her as a talent acquisition professional and what she's doing at Natus. And I know that she's gonna have some great insights to share today as well. But what we're talking about is the fact that the hiring process is broken. And it's not just broken when we talk about what's in it for candidates and kind of their experience. I really feel like it's broken on the hiring side too. And, um, and it's gonna be interesting to get Shandon's opinion because she lives and breathes us on the inside every day. But I wanna talk about this from uh, both side, both perspectives and what I see and what we see as the barriers uh, and how we can maybe help the industry at large, maybe hiring at large across industries to kind of up the game. Because I think we all talk about how, oh, you know, the market's moving so fast. Talent has multiple offers there. Um, you know, we just can't hire fast enough to then having hiring managers sit on talent for weeks on end and think, you know, that oh, they'll be there and they're really not, but they know off the top of their head that the market's moving fast. So there's so many things we're going to get into, but um, first and foremost, uh, Shannon, thanks for being here. How are things going over at Natus these days? Really good. Um, still still busy. And um, I know, especially as you, know, you see every other headline, it's like so-and-so's laying off, so-and-so's rescinding offers. As I look through those lists, I'm like, wow, I don't see any like medical device, really any med tech companies on there. So um, I think it's, I think it's easy for everybody to get pulled into those headlines, but man, med device is still busy. We've been doing a lot um, of projects as well, which has also been fun with we're working on our employer brand, but still interviewing, still pipelining, still sourcing. And 
doing the recruiter thing. That's I'm awesome. glad to hear that because Adam and I, we have seen some companies within the industry just recently announce some big stuff. But it's this mm. weird time where some companies are just full steam ahead, hiring like crazy. Other companies that you thought were doing well are announcing these you know, surprise layoffs. And I think the other mm. reason for this show, and I think the other importance is to help candidates build some sort of agency so that they do find themselves mm. surprised by a random layoff. They've got some actual strategy they can use other than just going and, you know, hitting the send button on mm -hmm. applications. Um, mm -hmm. I want to start, I want to start on the, the company side. I want to make an analogy, you know, about this hiring mm -hmm. process compared to Salesforce's for companies. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think there's any CEO out there or any head of talent that would disagree that they want to empower their sales teams, however possible to make the experience of customer acquisition as convenient as possible for the customers, right? They want to invest yeah. in tools. They want to streamline their process. They want to roll out the carpet, so to speak, right? To mm -hmm. acquire new customers yep. because of the value that a customer represents to the success of a business. But mm -hmm. they also want to pay attention to the retention of those customers because if a, you bring a customer on board, as hard as that is, you want to do everything you can to keep that customer's business. Guys, why yeah. is why are companies not thinking of their hiring process the way they think of acquiring customers from from sales? What I want you guys to chime in on this because I think it's really eye-opening if you start to think about mm -hmm. maybe the difference in perspective. Yeah, I and by the way, Adam, I'm on my second cup of coffee now, so I'm probably not going to stop talking, so feel free to interrupt me. Um, <laughs> I, I do I do see that as a big gap and and I worked I did a contract at a, a large e-commerce company a lot of B2C and B2B and their mindset was every single person that applies and interacts with us is a customer and I really taken that with me as well because I think especially here um, at Natus Medical every single person that we interact with could be a patient patient or a loved one. And the fact of the matter is no matter what industry you work in, whatever, we're going to not hire significantly more people than we will hire. It's just the numbers. And so why would you shoot yourself in the foot and not take that as an opportunity to pipeline? And that's something that my team's working on right now, in addition to like, you know, the overall employer brand and, um, you know, talking about investing in the big, sexy technology for sales, we're, we're slowly inching towards that, but really looking at the candidates experience throughout that, but also how hiring is a team sport. So it's, it kind of requires everybody to, to play their part. And I think we've got some groups that are really, really latching onto that. And it's, it's really about, you know, from the the hiring manager and the hiring team side of things, really helping them to understand how this personally impacts them and their team. Yeah, Adam, thoughts on that? That's a great, yeah. And I like the kind of the analogy too, almost like an acquisition cost. We all know in business, you know, it's it's much mm -hmm. more affordable, cost-effective to keep a customer or a client than to go out and get a new one. Same thing with talent, mm -hmm. you know, and I saw a post on mm -hmm. LinkedIn, I think it was, uh, two days ago or something, the premise was, you know, hey, so-and-so on our team is is demanding $10,000 or they're going to leave and and we can't afford that. And they're like, well, we better pay them. And, you know, and they're like, well, we just said we can't afford that. Well, if we can't afford the $10,000, we sure, we sure can't afford to post it, pay a recruiter, 
you know, pay for a consultant to do their job for the next 90 days and everything else too. So it's, I think there's a, there is a, yeah. And and there is a different mindset. Like, Hey, if we lost a $10 million uh, potential client or customer, that's a huge deal. Whereas gosh, if we lost this a player Mm -hmm. that could help us land seven, you know, clients like that or serve those, or, you know, mm-hmm. I think I think for some reason there is a disconnect in some organizations and it sounds like you've, mm-hmm. you've brought that mindset over to, to Natus and, and I'm sure that's yeah. serving you well. So yeah, that, that's a really good thing. I think to, to keep yeah. in, in mind, treat the folks on your team that are going to make it go just like you would a prospective uh, client mm-hmm. or customer. You know, I was having yeah, a, uh, one of my favorite questions to ask when we kind of get we all get stuck in those roles or with those those particular hiring groups that can drag on and on. And, and you get to a point and I I just blatantly point blank asked, what is it costing you to not fill this position? <laughs> because here's what I'm hearing on the, you know, from the team, from all these different and like, let's just not talk about the money piece. Let's just talk about some of the trickle down effects that you're having. Sales, it's pretty easy. It's like, well, you've got revenue and this and that and yeah. the other, but some of the others is a little bit more intangible. But it that question has stopped some people in their tracks. Good. You know, yeah. Shannon, you're saying some great stuff. I'm having a little bit of a hard time hearing you. Um, mm-hmm. It could be maybe just close to the mic. I'm not sure I wanted to put that out there. But as <clears throat> as you're looking mm-hmm. at that, you know, I was having like a conversation with a uh, uh, a friend in the industry. He's not a recruiter. He does more uh, content stuff and um, marketing things. And he's like, imagine if you had the opportunity to build the the most badass hiring process ever that was completely different than anything out there. Imagine what you could do. And I started thinking about the power of, you know, landing pages, the part power of videos, uh, hiring managers creating a video before the interview saying, hey, I'm so excited to talk with you. Here's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to answer your questions. If you want to let me know which questions are before, I'm going to prepare. And really, like, just to the nines. Imagine. There's no reason companies can't do this. There really isn't. But imagine the people that do invest in this, what that viral effect is going to have on uh, publicity for the organization. Because now what you're going to do is you're going to have these – I. I use the term soldiers lightly. I really do. But imagine your sales and marketing field-based team of advocates for this mm-hmm. organization of the people that didn't get hired. I was treated like gold throughout mm-hmm. this process. I knew what was going on. I knew what to expect. They were personable. They gave me swag bag before mm-hmm. I even met them. Then I didn't get the job mm-hmm. and they told me exactly feedback that could help me going forward as to why I didn't get the job mm-hmm. and set me on my way. And I can't tell you what mm-hmm. a grand experience this was. Why aren't companies do? Why aren't? Why are we all as a market talking about the necessity for candidate experience, but nobody's really stepping up, and you're not necessarily hearing mm-hmm. about these grandiose things? Why do you think that is? How much time we got, Mitch? Um, <laughs> At a high level, I, what do you think? What do you think? I have my I, own thoughts, I but I really it, want to hear from you guys. I think it's about prioritization, and depending on the culture of the company. You know, as a, as a people manager myself, I, I need to prioritize my time and I, I will out myself. I am the worst hiring manager to work with ever <laughs> because all the things that I'll say, yeah, let's, let's help curb that behavior. Let's guide them this way. I do all those things, <laughs> but you know, you get into some situations where it it's like, you're it's a catch 22 because 
you're you're so slammed and your team is so slammed with work because of this vacancy that the deadlines aren't moving and how do you how do you rearrange and prioritize the time so that you can really devote the energy and the intention and the focus to the hiring process and that all said what tools are out there that can help us to kind of automate it i love using high tech to improve high touch like that's, that's really good worth, nugget high tech to improve high touch yeah that's that's i wrote that was like my one catchphrase i'm like cool I Tra on my trademark like, by shandon <clears throat> yeah trademark you can use it though <laughs> um adam any thoughts before i hog yeah ball? no i think i that's a great a great uh, way to say it you know with high tech so i'm just thinking gosh if i was interviewing with a hiring manager and she or he is at you know literally holding their phone hey i'm at my kids lacrosse game it's saturday here's a little bit about me here's why i joined this organization here's what makes me tick and then you know kind of a mini bio right into hey i'm excited to speak with you Here's what we'll talk about, top priorities. Here's what you get to work on today that you likely might not be working on or being exposed to at your current organization. Here's what's in it for you. Wow, that could be a three minute long video or a 20 minute long video. The candidate's already kind of you know pre-sold going into the conversation. Video is powerful. You, you kind of feel that connection personally, but then also you're like, oh, Great. Well, then instead of asking my four stock questions, I can go right into, you know, get get in, into more depth. I mean, I think that's a great investment of time, too, for 20 minutes and then have your IT or marketing team, you know, make it pretty and, you know, splice everything together. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That's going to serve over eight, you know, candidates that I interview over the over the time or, or maybe for the next five years, for that matter. So great ROI. You know, I love that mm -hmm. you're here, Shannon, because you're bringing a perspective that we don't have of being in-house and being, you know, the one who's responsible for delivering on these requisitions, whether it's partnering with agencies or your team's doing it and, you know, fulfilling the needs of the hiring managers breathing down your neck to, to get results of where's the talent. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said about, look, this is important and it does make sense, but we are so darn busy trying to keep up with the workload that we do have. Some of the stuff mm -hmm. that makes sense to us just kind of falling as a lower priority because we don't have a choice. I want yeah. to make the, the mistake or the claim that I believe what's going to happen with organizations who are progressive and really forward thinking is that we're going to start to see new positions that are in the space of candidate experience. And we're going to have talent mm -hmm. acquisition or recruitment who's doing the actual execution of recruiting, but we're going to have people building candidate experience of what does this what does this funnel, so to speak, look like? What does this journey look like mm -hmm. that we're taking our candidates through? And I don't, th and if, if we don't split that function up between recruiting and candidate experience, I don't know if it's ever going to drastically change because at any given point, you guys are always going to be super busy. I just feel that way when you're responsible for this type of workload for the organization. What are your thoughts on, on that? Yes and no. I mean, I, I've got probably the best team of recruiters I've ever had the honor of working with. They are all a million times better than I was as a recruiter. And recruiting can just be a little repetitive. I mean, any job can kind of, you get into the grind. And what you're talking about, that candidate journey, we're working on right now. And I've not seen my team so energized and invigorated. And like, and I think that it gives us an opportunity as, you know, and co-workers and managers to get to know each other a little bit better. Like, 
my team has a brilliant knack for visual design. I had no idea. It's not my forte by any stretch of the imagination, but we have in essence designed the draft for our new employee uh, careers page, or not the employee careers page, our external careers page. We know what we want people to have access to, and we know with the candidate journey and we're baking it into email templates so that, like you said, like before your interview, what can I do? You know, hey, click this link and go check out this product. You'll be working a lot with it so that it stays interactive. And then hopefully in 23, we're going to be able to add more videos to that. And then that continues through the new hire induction, which is the new project um, that I'm just starting to work on that, you know, our executive team wants people to know like, hey, this is our mission. This is our vision. This is our values. This is our pledge to ourselves, our customers, you know, our, our stakeholders. And this is why we do what we do. Interesting. And so, so you're seeing it as really, a hybrid approach. It really has been. And, and it's been really interesting to see all the different hidden talents that people have. And I told my CHRO, I'm like, why can't we crowdsource from the business? Like, did you know that so-and-so senior director is actually an incredible sculptor? Like we have this talent and I don't think that you need to live inside this box. And the funny thing is, is that my team will work outside, outside, hard to say outside of normal hours in a global company, but they really are getting into this and they're working together and they're collaborating. And it's, it's been cool. We've got people in Australia, people in Ireland, in Canada, in the US, and we're, they're all getting together and working and figuring this stuff out to make this such a cool experience. And they're really energized by it. Interesting. So, Interesting. But I've also created space for that as well, a leader. Gonna, yeah. Um, and that you have to have a priority for it. it or, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you have to see it as a priority and why the yeah. why behind it, right? Because if you don't think things need to change, things aren't going to change. And there's always going to be the bell curve yeah. of organizations who want, mm -hmm. you know, there's going to be the, um, the uh, what is it before early adopters, the disruptors, right? And then the early mm -hmm. adopters and then the main, and then the people who just kind of, you know, we've got people in our recruiting business who are making phone calls out of a phone book still 30 years later and say, this is the way I do it, you know? So there's always going to be a bell curve of how people mm -hmm. adopt this stuff. Totally, totally. Um, before we get to the Canada side, you know, the other thing I would say as far as a barrier is, um, well, two, two more things. I think one is, I think we all know that many processes are just way too long. They're just way too long. And what's interesting is Adam and I are seeing it from the outside of, in this virtual world of Zoom calls and doing Zoom interviews, how what could have been in, done in one day and in a six hour session is now spanning weeks because this person isn't available because they're on vacation, but we need them to talk to them on a Zoom call. And you've got mm -hmm. two Zoom calls today on Monday, you got three on Thursday, and we're gonna figure out the next. And mm -hmm. I think that while it's easy to jump on a video call and all you gotta do is send a link and you're there, it's also putting pressure mm -hmm. on the fact that these people, I don't know the last time we played somebody who wasn't gainfully employed. So they're having to navigate their own day to get on these Zoom calls. And I think hiring teams can take note of how do we make this more streamlined? So A, we don't lose them to another offer. And B, we're not really putting so much pressure on them. We're trying to court them and we're making their lives harder because they have a job to do. Yeah. Thoughts? It's so funny that you said these, this is actually something that we're also working on. And yeah, we've got some groups that they're like, you know, this is the way we do it. And 
they're going to take a little bit longer to hit that pain gain threshold. Um, but I also really encourage my team and I will dig through the depths of whatever, but I told them, I said, you need to bring them data and you need to put that data like on a virtual piece of paper and put it in front of their face because it's much more powerful than me telling you a number. And with that and with kind of the repetition and, and having, I shouldn't say having lost candidates because we, we just don't lose them that often. Um, but we have had like our software team, for example, talk about a, a competitive market and trying to get people that are already gainfully employed with five other people chasing them. My recruiter has, she got a notification from an applicant, called them, interviewed them on the spot because she had set the expectations in the intake meeting and the subsequent touch bases with the hiring manager. They already had a plan in place. So she pinged the interview team said, hey, I, I need them on your calendar at two o'clock tomorrow. They all said, yep. And they did a 24 hour turnaround to interview and assess this candidate. Wow. So it's it's about helping the business to see, like, it, like I said, in a way that's meaningful to them, um, why it's in their best interest to you know move quickly be clear about what you're assessing on um and please don't sit on candidates for three months because you're gonna drive me bonkers yep um adam do you have any comments on that or you want to move to the candidate side we can definitely move to the candidate side and i guess uh, i like the idea that you mentioned uh, of like a candidate you know candidate experience uh, person, just like we've seen an uptick in customer success manager type roles in the last decade or so, I really think some organizations could value from that, um, especially depending maybe on the size of the company. A lot have contract talent acquisition or recruiters that come and go every 90 days or, or six months. Same with like HR coordinators and uh, others. So if you could have a permanent person that can collaborate and work cross-functionally with compensation and benefits and the hiring manager and TA and marketing, you know, I, I think that would be a really valuable, um, you know, touch point or, or really valuable person that could really tie everything together to ensure and they manage their pipelines and, you know, w and make sure it's a, a really uh, exceptional uh, experience for the candidate. But yeah, let's, let's uh, venture that way. <clears throat> so as far as the candidates thing, you know, I look at it from their perspective and they've, they've really got, there's a couple of things going on here. One is, as far as navigating their, their job search, they have two options. They could do it themselves, or they could uh, engage the help of a, a headhunter, right? And so I can't, I'm gonna address both of those, but I think the other big thing that I wanna make sure we talk about is, um, you know, most, especially once they're in the process, I'm gonna, I'm kinda talking about a big picture and then let's dig into each of these. I think mm -hmm. candidates, once they're engaged in multiple processes, they almost feel, especially to companies when they're working directly, that they have to be close to the vest of how, how many interviews are they involved with, where are they at in the process? Because they feel like if they're gonna be mm -hmm. transparent with you know, one organization, they may hurt their chances of, mm -hmm. of that job. And I think it hurts the whole process because then the, the company's not visible to where they're at. So then they don't know if they should rush their process, if they should slow their process down. The candidate doesn't benefit because if the organization knew more, they'd be able to accommodate them because they're trying to court them in the first place. And so I think transparency is a big one. 
And then I think mm -hmm. about passive talent. Let's just say that they want to do this on their own. How do they feel comfortable and safe enough to protect their confidentiality? Do, they might not want to just go to the career space and figure out how to navigate this whole application. They may want to talk, you know, with somebody first on a more confidential basis to get a sense of what's in it for them. So I want to dig into mm -hmm. all of that. Adam, take take the lead on this transparency thing, though, first, if you would. What are your thoughts mm -hmm. on that, that piece? I think transparency is the key, um, just like it is in a lot of things. If if a client is providing a candidate with transparency in regards to timeline, like you, you know, like Shannon, you mentioned, hey, mm -hmm. this is a, a this is a phenomenal, brilliant team. One knock on them is the process is a little bit longer. It's going to take you six weeks. Even by just mm -hmm. sharing that timeline with them upfront, they're they're probably going to be fine. If that scares them off, it does now rather than throughout the process. But if you can be yeah. transparent with them about the timeline, about compensation, so there's no surprise at the 11th hour, uh, the process mm -hmm. overall, everything else. And if you can build that trust early, they're like Mitch said, they're much more likely to say, hey, you know what? I have an interview on Friday. If that goes well, I'll probably take the job or, hey, mm -hmm. you're, we're, we're done here. Uh, you could you're telling me we could have an offer tomorrow, but I have a final interview next Tuesday that I really want to see through. Oh, I didn't know that. So let's pump the brakes. Mm -hmm. Let's recon, you know, reconnect on Wednesday and we can debrief on on that final interview and then we can we can go from there. Mm -hmm. I think building trust and transparency early and often is is really the key for all parties to have a good experience. Shannon, what are the common themes that you see when you've got you guys have candidates in process? A, are you are you guys using qualifying questions to flush this out with them, or are they are they you know close to their vest? What are you seeing? Um, I, it's always been my philosophy, and I think it's you know cascaded throughout my team is that you know like you said, Adam, transparency is key. You know, going back to why aren't we kind of aligning recruiting with sales you know you think about people don't people buy from who they trust and my approach has always been i am this is a two-way conversation i i want to understand with what your career goals and and aspirations are so that we can see together if this is aligned and also so that we can highlight them and why our company's great throughout the process um but I tell them too, I said, because a lot of times when I've interviewed people, they, they kind of dodge the question of where are you at um, in your job search? Are you interviewing? Da, 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 da. And I just say, look, I think you're a really strong contender for this role. And I'd like to know so that we have an opportunity to keep up with anybody else that is competing for you as a valued talent in the XYZ space. Um, strong verbiage. <clears throat> the other piece too is I and and all of my recruiters we have really open conversations about compensation. I don't want to get to the end of the process and find out we're like twenty grand off, right? On comp, that's not helpful for anybody. And my rule and a rule that my team holds is we don't mess with people's money. <laughs> I don't mess with people's money, um, <laughs> but having that conversation early on and saying, you know, what, what is it that you're looking for in your next, um, you know, compensation package? Is this different for everybody? And then you can have a conversation. I've had times I'm like, you know what, you are absolutely worth every dime. And that is well outside of our range. Can I stay in touch with you? for future opportunities, you know? 
and I, you know, you build, you build your network, but then you're pre-closing. That's why yep. our team, even in this market, we have a 96% offer acceptance rate. Wow. Which That's is, amazing. It's yeah, trust. fantastic. And I, we should talk about that um, as far as why, but in the set, for the sake of this topic, I want to, <clears throat> I want to um, just reinforce the, the opportunity to make Candace feel safe and the fact that all you're trying to do is build a process that stays in line with where they're at so that they can make a good educated decision. I think when both parties are blind to each other, you know, you guys do, I say you guys lightly, companies will kind mm -hmm. of continue their uh, hiring process as if the candidate is just part of their process, like a silo. Yeah. Candidates will mm -hmm. think, well, that's their process, so I'll go through it and then I'll figure out how to make my decision, you know, and pick up the pieces at, at the end of the, uh, all of this. But if a company made a candidate feel safe, that look, even if we don't land you, I'd like to make sure that we're staying on track in a, putting you in a position where you can make your decision. Where are you at with your mm -hmm. current interview processes? Do you need yeah. to see all of them through to make a decision on our position, right? If our position is ready mm -hmm. to hire you, are you in a position to make a decision? Well, there's one other one I feel like I really need to see through because it's on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Okay, no problem. Mm -hmm. Do you think on Wednesday we can connect you be in a position to make an educated Absolutely. Great. Yeah. Now it buys your team time, the hiring team yeah. time totally. to figure out, okay, do we have other people that we can interview between now and then so that we're not caught flat-footed? Yeah. Right. What can we do between now and then so that we're ready with our offer? We're not starting next week to figure out, can mm -hmm. we get approved for that? And everybody's on the same page. That's where you get yeah more more uh, a more successful experience for both parties absolutely i've even been known to um in my interviews especially for high competitive roles i've no i've asked in my phone screen like hey you're interviewing with four different companies i you know i think that they're great if it came down to us in another offer what would be your deciding factors what's the great most question. important thing to you <clears throat> Great or question. what outstanding concerns have not been addressed for you that we could get answers to? Totally. Mm -hmm. You know, let's talk about the, the do-it-yourself approach as far as candidates who are, let's say, gainfully employed right now. They're thinking about making a career change. Mm -hmm. They don't know any headhunters. They've never worked with a recruiter. They'd rather oh. take it upon themselves to explore. Mm -hmm. I think the best way is you got to start connecting with folks online, on LinkedIn. And mm -hmm. I would personally, once you're connected, send a video and say, Confidentially, I'm considering making a change. I have great respect for you as a leader based on what I've learned so far. I've done my research mm -hmm. in the organization. I'd love to speak with you on an exploratory basis. If you, can't, if you don't want to do that, you reach out to talent acquisition. I'm thinking about making a, a change confidentially. I know that you're well connected within the organization. Can we set up a few minutes mm -hmm. to discuss you know, my goals and what's coming up with the company? Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a much better approach to start engaging versus trusting an application process. You, as somebody who is responsible for making your application process streamlined, I'm wondering if you disagree. What do you What do you guys think? You want to start, Adam? We sure. Well, and one thing I was going to say, yeah, if if a company can do that, that's a game changer. You know, like you said, Shannon, your pipelining. I think that was a term you used, building a bench. And from folks that have applied and maybe you extrapolate that out to folks that you don't know yet if if a company could crack that code because we've all seen the data really the higher up the the level is the the more likely they are to use a recruiter to represent them and and a1 mm -hmm. is confidentiality if you're a, if you're a senior mm -hmm. vice president if you're in the c-suite almost 100 percent of the time you're mm -hmm. going to a recruiter you're going to vet a recruiter out and i think you'll probably touch on that mitch how to do so um but hey i'm not going to apply to 
XYZ job and put myself out there, I'm going to reach out to this recruiter who has inroads to this organization, can get all my questions answered first before mm-hmm. I give her or him the authority. Yes, he, present my present my candidacy to them and and let's talk. So yeah, if you can mm-hmm. if you can make it a safe space uh, for for folks to reach out to you, oh my gosh, and you know th- th- that's going to avoid you know that their need or their the the need they feel to use a recruiter um, in many mm-hmm. cases. And like you're saying, pipelining wise, holy cow, anytime you have an open rec, you're like, cool, I have, my team has 12 people we can go to right away. You might be done, jobs filled um, versus, yeah. hey, let's post and let's start a six to 12 week <laughs> process. I mean, holy it's cow, that is amazing if you could do that. Yeah. And I, and I think that that is, it's applicable on all, on all levels. Ironically, the hardest jobs for us to fill um this year and last year have been our our really entry-level roles yeah um but everybody needs yeah everybody needs sense to me yep yeah and they've got choices right so yeah kind of that you know changing that thought as an employer like what does that mean but anyway um to get back to your question about candidates reaching out i think it's i think it's a great idea and it's all about how you do it i think that because i've certainly received plenty of messages Hey, I'm interested in a job in your company. This is my resume. Would you let me know if there's anything that's open? I'm like, I, I oversee all of the jobs everywhere. So off the top <laughs> of my head, no. Um, but if somebody sent me a, a message that, you know, like you said, Nick, like, hey, I'm Mitch, I'm starting to um, confidentially kind of look around. I saw that you had some XYZ positions open. I'm wondering if we could have a conversation so that I could learn more. Absolutely. When when can we do coffee? Or when can I put yeah. you in touch with one of my brilliant recruiters who knows more about it than me? And, and then you've you bypassed the coffee. fact that maybe your application's lost. You've bypassed the fact that you're scared that who's got my information. And you've gone yeah. right to the source and you've gained an exploratory meeting. Yeah. I don't even And it works for both parties. You're yeah, happy because you've got yeah. a potential talent on the hook. And they're happy because they went right to the source and have the opportunity to start talking about things right away. Yeah. 100%. And I think the key is have an agenda of what you'd want to talk to me about or what you want to talk to the recruiter about instead of just vague. I think sometimes there's this impression of recruiters like, oh, well, I just send them my resume and magically the poof, there's these jobs. They all appear and they're great. <laughs> um, and the reality is that, that that isn't true. But I do think that every single recruiter out there, we love helping people find that next step in their career. Yeah. Um, in fact, even in inquiry emails that we get, I'll put that in my my just closing statements. Thank you so much for reaching out and for considering Natus Medical as a next step in your career. And I would even say, I would even go as far to say, you know, I told you that I feel like me personally, I feel like there's going to be more and more positions around candidate experience. There's probably should also be a position around people who host. They have their ba- their their benchmark on how many exploratory meetings with candidates they have each week, and it's not mm-hmm. where it's got a website that says join our talent pool today. No, it's mm-hmm. I'm leveraging the power of social media. I'm building opportunities to build a true pipeline with exploratory yeah. meetings of passive talent. Mm-hmm who are gainfully employed, just like recruiters, but in an internal Ooh. fashion, and you're building your own stable. Because I think a lot of times, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Shannon, but I think a lot of times recruiters internally are so busy with the requisitions at hand that it's like, it's, it's 
reactive into what we have right now versus having <laughs> mm -hmm. even the opportunity to build stables of talent for future reference. Yeah, that would be a good KPI for folks to be, uh, or a metric to be judged against. It is, I think for some roles more than others, as we've, you know, I said our support level roles have been really difficult to fill. We've put in a lot of time and energy and sourcing. And when I really dug into the data, I'm like, wow, that does not work for this candidate population. But definitely for a lot of the professional level and even leadership roles, mm -hmm. it's, it is fantastic. And, you know, talking about recruiters not really having a lot of time. I've been there. I remember at one of my previous employers where my rec load cracked triple digits. And I'm like, Oh, wow. What am I doing? Like, what, like, yeah. how can I actually do a really good job with 60, 70, 80, 90 wow. recs? So if you're a recruiting leader or you're, you're involved in, in rec loads, I really encourage you to take a look at what your team has because the most valuable tool that my recruiters have is time. Time to connect with candidates. Time to make sure that they understand really what the business needs. And that's not through like, hey, I'm going to send you this questionnaire. Please fill it out. Um, time is key. And so I am fiercely protective of that because my recruiter's zone of genius is in building relationships with people. Yep. Yep. And maximizing where the highest dollar for their time is. Yeah. Adam and I talk about that all the time. You know, mm -hmm. our, the goal is to operate within your genius or in your superpower as much as possible and delegate the rest totally. for anybody. Totally. So I want to, you know, I want to try to start bringing this um, to a close because we're, we're going long. But I want to talk about the second part is, okay, let's say you're going to work with a, a headhunter. How do you, where do you mm -hmm. start if you don't, if you never worked if you've never worked with a recruiter or you've had a bad experience in the past and you don't want to go back to that person, how do you go about a approach that helps you vet who you should be working with? Because if you put it out there that I'm, you're open to opportunities, mm -hmm. they're going to swarm and that's not going to yeah. help you either. And I'm going to date myself, but it's one of my favorite movies. And that is Jerry Maguire where, where Tom Cruise is the sports agent on behalf of the football player. And he's doing the heavy lifting, opening up the doors and the conversations, right? Recruiter headhunters should act that way. They should be a talent agent. Uh, doing the heavy lifting in the marketplace and letting you do what you do best, which is focus on your current mm -hmm. work. But yeah. who you trust your your um, career journey with is super important, right? Trust mm -hmm. it to the wrong situation. You're tied to that and it's not good. So what do you do to vet this out? I'll share a couple and you guys can do this too because I know that you both have a lot to say on this. The one way is talk to your talk to referrals, uh, a trusted network of friends. Who have you used that you've had a good experience with? That's one way. Yeah. Um, another thing is just look online. Who's really active? Do a search medical, you know, let's just say medical device recruiter and see who comes up and look at some of the stuff, the content that they're putting out and does it resonate with you? That's another way. But then you guys, if you would take it from here, let's say that you've had a couple conversations with recruiters. What are some questions that you would want to ask a headhunter to judge whether or not they should be representing your career? I was going to say, I think the, the A1 question is we, and I've seen data in the last like 60 days about this. The number one question they'll ask is, you know, what, what companies do you work with? So that's, that's going to be the real differentiator. I think if I'm asking a recruiter, Hey, who do you represent? Which clients do you work with? And they are way off base or, or, you know, organizations that I'm not intrigued by or would have on my short list. That's probably going to put that person in the back burner. If they're like, Hey, I only specialize in this space. I've, place people at these five companies and they're all 
you know, organizations that I'm excited about, guess what? I would ask her or him to represent me in the marketplace. Shannon, what would you ask if a headhunter came to you and said, yeah. Shannon, I can help you get to the next level. I want to learn about your career goals. What would you ask to vet whether or not they're the okay. real deal? That's a, that's a good question. I haven't thought about that in a while. Like, I mean, I have a short list. I mean, Mitch, you'd probably be top of my list to call. I'd be like, okay, so don't have a role that. right now. But, um, and, and it's hard because I know I'm biased and I, and this is what I do, but I also know that reaching out to recruiters as somebody that is not in HR or talent, especially if you're introverted, like I am, can, be daunting. can feel really uncomfortable yeah. um, and really daunting. Um, so I, I think, you know, to, to back up a little bit before going to um, a recruiter, like, who do I know that's just changed jobs? Did you work with a, did you work with a recruiter? What did you yeah. like about them? Yeah. What was great? What was awful? Um, and then could you make an introduction for me? Yep. Because yep. odds are you've got somebody that you know that's changed jobs recently. You know, I love that. And you could use the LinkedIn feature of who's changed jobs in your mm -hmm. network recently and then back into that. Totally. Hey, oh, mm -hmm. I know these people personally. Let me ask them, how did you get that job? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Totally. I mean, and I I've would had also... instances too where you know, if we've had to downsize or had a really good silver medalist and I know I'm just not going to have another opening for a while, I've referred them to recruiters in my network. Uh, you know, I've had times where we've all had to make the decisions to downsize the team, which means that some people are are losing their job. And I said, hey, you have so much talent. Can I send your information to the recruiters in my network? And then I've helped them navigate that. And I've helped people negotiate their offers before um, coming from my team. But um, I think it's also like if you know a recruiter, ask them. Yeah. I would also or like, hey, I'm get... lost. I don't know where to start. Yep. And I would also, uh, there's a couple of things. I would see who's who's most um, willing to share as much as they can without them want, needing to help you. What I mean mm -hmm. by that is a, a great recruiter should be like just full of knowledge about what's going on in the market and do their best to set you on the right path, even if you don't work with them versus being mm -hmm. tight-lipped about things. That's, yeah. I think that's one indicator. That shows that they don't necessarily need you as a candidate. They want you as a candidate, they don't need you. And if they're a wealth of knowledge and they're willing to give it away just because, they're pretty entrenched in what they do and they're passionate about what they do. That's one. Another yeah. thing mm -hmm. is you can ask them, how many placements in my particular scope of experience do you make on a yearly basis? That's another mm -hmm. indicator, right? Yeah. Another one is, asking them i'd love you to ask them why would i work with if i choose to work with one recruiter why would i work with you see what their mm -hmm. answer is right <laughs> i'm gonna leave i'm not gonna say what the answer should be i'm just gonna leave that open-ended for now mm -hmm. we could leave that as a hook um for later um but then also you know adam and i's mentality and everybody that comes into our organization i feel like we want to do our very best to help this person one way or the other whether it's through us or not yeah. so what we say is if you have a list of companies, let's gather a list of your 10, 20 companies. If we work with them already, fantastic. If we don't, we're going to do our darndest to represent you. If for some reason the company doesn't want to work with us for whatever reason, we will then turn around and give you the highest level of contact info in both HR and talent acquisition and the hiring manager yeah. so that you don't end up in a black hole and you go right to the source. Yep. To yeah. me, I feel like that's a huge value add for the candidate because what they're saying is, 
why wouldn't I give you a shot to try and help me? It, I'm, it's only to my benefit, but I also have the safety net that if you say it's a company I really want to work with and you can't, you're still going to help me. I yeah. think that's a huge indicator too. So just some food for thought. Well, it's like my, I have a no asshole rule. No assholes, no bozos. That's for candidates. That's for it's kind of my life rule I try to, but you got to be a good person. <laughs> Sorry, am I allowed to say that on, on of this Of course you are. Right yeah, of course. Great. Yeah, it's, uh, I just want to see that email. Hey, sorry, you uh, you fall into this camp, and uh, I won't represent. I won't work. It's with a you. gif. It's a gif with the red light going off, and it's flashing. Yeah. You know, fail. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. That's right. pretty good. Yeah. Well, listen, guys, I feel like we shared a ton. Shandon, you've been invaluable to have. Please on, come back. Have on the show today. I will. Please come back, come back I'm because drag team next yeah, week. you've got a lot to offer, and we're really trying to build. A solid community like i said check out the medtech talent lab community on linkedin check out all the recorded episodes wherever you consume podcast content and we will be back with another session uh next week thanks for listening to the medtech talent lab podcast for more content rich episodes log on to the anthony or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform